Coming up on this episode of Belief Hole. There's just something about being on the road. Yes, it is an interesting phenomenon. I think you can make the argument that there are an abnormally large number of experiences that people have while on the road. If you want to take advantage of someone being completely abandoned by themselves and frightened, it's like fishing. That's where you would go. That's the good spot. Yeah, terror fishing. You could get someone into an accident and then chase them with fiery eyes and screaming. Imagine the the food you would receive from that if you're feeding on that fear. Dinner for months. So what if you happen to travel interdimensionally, whether it's you're in some dimension where that's part of your technology or, or natural ability? What if what the other people see or other entities are seeing when you enter is a silhouette of who you are, a shadow of yourself. Yeah, I mean, the fact this thing was giant and red eyes, maybe that's just what these entities are in this other realm, potentially. Yeah. If it's not just like a demon, you know. Mm-hmm. All, the, all these things are possible. Food for thought. And they're all real. Oh, is this anything like, uh, what's that called? When people have intercourse with ghosts? There's a name for that. Succubus? No. Oh, I used to want to do this for a show. You used to want to have sex with a ghost? No, no, no. Cover the topic. Spectre erotica? Something like that. Spectre course? Sometimes I feel like I get sexually assaulted by demons in my dreams. Well, there you go. This is the succubus and the incubus. So this would be that happening, except that you are a welcome receiver. I want a ghost kiss. I want a ghost kiss. <laughs> <laughs> this character, this trench coat, character is going to come back into play pretty hardcore. But I think it's interesting because it's one of those situations, you know, you've ever been with somebody, a friend somewhere, and all of a sudden you feel something's wrong. Mm-hmm. And then notice that all the streetlights are out for some reason. There's no storm. Why would the streetlights be out? He's like leaking evil. So they didn't actually look at the guy. No, this and this is the thing. So, and this is important. There was a supernatural consequence that was going to take place if they look back in that moment. Creepy. Yeah. What a coward. John would be like, hey, buddy, why are you leaking evil over there? (laughs) Keep your evil to yourself. (laughs) Conspiracy. Synchronicity. Sasquatch. Homunculus. Alien races. Satanism in Hollywood. MK Ultra. Tartaria. There's like a whole, I've been watching this one guy. Close the door, it. Jury. Close your door. What's the uh, inner earth disagreements? Ghost Dad. <laughs> I like that movie. Dogman. Bohemian Grove. Corey Feldman. Magicians are demons. Spectres. Spirits. Sleep paralysis. Strange disappearances. Sky whale phenomena. Yes. Alternative history. Shadow people. Shh, quiet. I'm trying to say words with the mouth. It's getting dicey out there. Poltergeists. That's cool. Anunnaki. What is the moon? <laughs> Elf towers. I would never talk about. It. That's old. Y2K. Cover ups. Apocalyptic catastrophe. Vampire. We're here. We're back. Well, hello, hello, everyone. Hi, I'm Jeremy. I'm John. I'm Chris. Welcome into the hole. Well, I hope you guys are ready for some exceptional roadway ghost stories. Not just ghosts either. I tried to find the weirdest of the weird stuff. I'm excited about this topic too, Chris. Oh, good. Because... We've all driven across country, right? John, you've had some weird tales on the road. Have I? Yeah. Oh, you remember the milk, milk steak or what was it? The milk steak. Not milk steak. Uh, the old stinky meat. It's, old stinky meat. What was that? Meat. Remember on your trip from Washington to Texas? Oh, yeah. I remember that, that hotel? That was weird. I told that story, didn't I? You did, you did. Yeah. What other, what other fun stories have I had? 
Let's go through my my. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was trying to do. Okay. What I was essentially saying was, uh, yeah, we've all had experiences driving across. Oh, I did have other ones <sighs> with Brian. That's what I was thinking of. That south of southwest. Was very very weird. What was that? When I was driving through New Mexico, mm-hmm. and it was like late at night. We first stopped at the hotel that we were going to stay at in this in Murder Town. Yeah, yeah. Before we went to the hotel, though, we went into a gas station. And we walked in and everyone turned and looked at us and they were all just like cracked out on drugs. Yeah, yeah. And they just looked like, what are you doing here? It was like 11 at night. Like you shouldn't be here. That was a, a place that you felt like even the police were just waiting to just snuff people out. Like the hills have eyes. Yeah. Like you're in the wrong place. That reminds me of horror stories where like a small town, everybody is in on basically just abducting people that are traveling mm-hmm. through. Like, uh, by. Nothing but trouble. Dust till dawn. Nothing but trouble, yes. Chevy Chase and uh, Dan Aykroyd. I never saw that. You, you never saw that? Mm-mm. Okay, I hereby find all parties culpable in these matters as charged, and so choose to invade the maximum levy for these violations, and do therefore deem that you be conveyed to a holy, oh, awful place of execution, wherein you shall be put to death. Wait a minute, what is this shit? So, all this to say, the reason I mentioned uh, your adventures, John, on the road with Brian going out west is because there's just something about being on the road, right? I don't know what it is. I don't know if there's some sort of paranormal nexus with, you know, the hitchhiker stories or the the bride on the side of the road, like these kind of common stories that come up. But there's just something about the traveling. You're in a transient situation where you're between points. The adventure is there. There's mystery. The unknown is just kind of a fixture of the reality of the road because you don't know what's around the next turn. Right. And maybe that lubricates your imagination. Maybe it lubricates your connection to the more magical side of reality. You like the word lubricate. It's a useful word. <laughs> Lubricate your mind. Thanks, Morpheus. But there is something about that that just, I like traveling for that reason, especially at night, like rest stops at night. Mm. There's just this kind of in the oh, back yeah, of your totally. head, like what's there? Yeah. What's in the darkness just beyond the light of the parking lot? What's just beyond that's staring at me that it's I can't go, that see? That goes into the woods? Yeah. Or like what's outside a range of that light? Exactly. Yeah. I can almost see it in my mind's eye. Safety of the vending machine light. Safety of the vending machine, I like that. You're right. There is that feeling of traveling. And I think there is something about you're going from one place that you know to maybe another place that you don't know, but it's everybody is sort of on this. They're all on their own journey when you're on the road. Right. So you have these people living their own stories going off into the dark, you know, literally and figuratively, just these long stretches often when you're going on highways and stuff. Parallel adventures. It is an interesting phenomenon. I think you can make the argument that there are an abnormally large number of experiences that people have while on the road going to places. And I often wonder if there is a some sort of magnetism that draws, whether it's people that have died, the ghost scenario, people traveling on the road, seeing the, the bride mm-hmm. who didn't make it to her wedding, that sort of thing, the never getting there, you know, whether it's that or whether it's yeah. mm-hmm. the interdimensional concept with creatures, like maybe there is this sort of unseen highway, maybe that follows in some way the grids that we've already created out of concrete uh-huh. and asphalt. Uh, well, I don't there know. There's a curious thought. Maybe we build the roads the way we do because there is some invisible matrix of energy like there's an influence there maybe yeah. i mean of course there's a lot of things that i'm sure they take into account like you know incline of the of the <laughs> yeah. land and that kind of stuff but maybe there's important maybe there's a little bit that's like we should probably build the road over here steve who knows what influences are going into play when you're when you're designing travel cross country yeah you know it's an interesting idea and the ghost aspect is interesting too because if there is some residue something part of you whether it's your consciousness your soul or maybe just an echo of yourself that's left here what people see these apparitions the idea that part of you gets stuck because you didn't finish something mm-hmm. and traveling is like the most obvious I was going somewhere right you're always going to try to be getting there well it's there. the perfect analogy for life you know the journey 
you know? So really when you're on the road, it's, yeah, it's an analogy for your experience of being a living person. Mm -hmm. And if you get that cut short, what happens? Do you just stay on that road forever? I hope not. So instead of focusing on like specific places and the history of regions, like there are famous roads, like Clinton Road in New Jersey, which is the famously haunted place. There's satanic cults, uh, ghost sightings, all this stuff. It's funny because, you know, every time we do the show, we drive five minutes through Rogue's Hollow to record here every time we record. And that's another Clinton Road. Someone wrote in about that. Oh, really? Mm -hmm. Jesse, who wrote in, who's a patron, uh, their address is... 14, well, no, I'm not going to give it away. Uh, <laughs> I just realized it's like asterisked out, but they live on this road in Clinton County. They had a synchronicity with related to Clinton, but there was someone who wrote in about doing Clinton Road in New Jersey because I think they live in the area. Oh, okay. And it is it is a famously haunted spot. I wish I knew who that was. Well, I didn't want to focus in on the places, the famously haunted roads, their Stockbridge Bypass in England, the Ghostly Monk guy. I don't know if you've heard of him. Ghostly Monk? Ghostly Monk over the Stockbridge Bypass. M6 is a famously haunted road in England, Ghosts of Roman Soldiers. But I wanted to focus in more just on specific stories. The weird stories, Yes, right? eyewitness encounters of strange encounters on the road. And yes, initially I thought we would be doing trucker-specific stories because I picked up this really good book, Trucker Ghost Stories, uh, and then Small Print, and Other True Tales of Haunted Highways, Weird Encounters, and Legends of the Road. But there's a lot of just people on other sorts of journeys in other sorts of situations. So we're going to get into her book, really good read, Annie Wilder. And then we're going to do one story from another great book, which I want to do, John, you've always talked about doing a sort of police themed police encounters I've with the bazaar. You, you've mentioned you always want to be a policeman when you grew up, remember <laughs> a policeman no. who had encounters on the road. I think early on, we talked about it when that show came out, it was called like arrested dead or alive or something. Arrested dead or That's alive. That's not true. But did you see that show at all? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Some of the stories were really good. I know. Yeah. The first one was pretty intense. I didn't actually watch that many of them, but the production was pretty good. We should figure out what that is so we can put it in the show notes for people. Yeah. There were times where they would they would have the cop who experienced the encounter, whatever it was, say something, and then the reenactment would be 10 times the intensity of what he had just said. Oh, yeah. One of those things in uh, these kind of reality shows, paranormal shows, where it's like, a man walked through a wall and like ate a baby and they're like, and it was real scary, but never hear the guy actually describe what happened. So you don't know how much of it they're just adding in, adding in with special effects. Yeah, there was a scene where it's like, I went into the office and um, I noticed that someone had closed the filing cabinet. Then the reenactment is like a filing cabinet's banging back and forth and the lights are flashing, you know? Over-dramatized. Right, but overall I thought it was a good show. But there's Paranormal Emergency on the Travel Channel and Paranormal Cops. Paranormal 911 or something. Oh, that's what it was. Yeah. Let's go to a story. Okay, well, I just was trying to set it up. We keep going into television. Sorry, go ahead. Which I guess is fine. Television. A lot, yes. We know. We said that in the last four times. I'm going to say it <laughs> John's got forever. a proud little smile on his face. <laughs> I said that. Anyway, the other book we're going to use is Real Police Ghost Stories, True Tales of the Paranormal as Told by Cops and Other Law Enforcement Officers. But yeah, that would be a, a fun topic to do. Mm-hmm. So I'm doing one story from there because it was just so good. And it's on the road. Uh, it's off the road. But the police officer had to take a road to get to this location. Ah, as most people do. Yeah, but every other story does take place on the road. So yes, let's get into these stories. Let's get into the weird road stories. Let's get right in there. All right. I don't even know what to say about that. Lightning. <laughs> um, the worst lightning effect I've ever heard by a man. Nice. Jeremy, do you want to do the first story here? Give us a read. John, there is a 
I do have lines of dialogue where you and I will be playing the man and woman, respectively. And this comes from Annie Wilder's book. Are we ready? I'm ready. Buckle up, passengers. Topical. It didn't even mean to. (laughs) That's crazy. I'm so smart. Okay. The Hat Man on the Montreal Avenue Bridge. It was a November night, already dark and cold, and fallen leaves scattered like insects as the car drove along. I was with my friend Elle, and we were taking a shortcut through Highland Park to a restaurant known for their cookies and cream milkshakes. I took a left turn on Montreal Avenue at the base of a gradual but large hill. We were turning from the river road, which lined the Mississippi's lowland course eastward into St. Paul, Minnesota. Even in the dark of the November night, the arched pedestrian bridge high above our heads, with wooded hills rising sharply on either side, almost seemed to mark a gateway to the higher ground ahead. While certainly not one of the busiest arteries of traffic in the area, Montreal was still commonly used. The road ran upward like a ramp, with a large park and golf course straddling the road until the hill reached its crest, where the residential housing blocks began to mark the Highland Park sector of the city. I'd driven the route often enough, having a soft spot for chocolate cookies and vanilla ice cream. Who doesn't? And it wasn't the first time Elle and I had made this trek together. This night was markedly different, however. Almost immediately, after passing through the doorway of the bridge, there was a distinguishable change in the tone of our car ride. It wasn't that I could have put my finger on anything in particular that happened. I was just suddenly and completely enveloped with a terribly heavy sense that something was wrong. I took my foot off the gas pedal, and as the car began to slow, Elle reached over and turned down the radio. The car slowed to a crawl, and I pulled over to the right side of the road and turned to look at Elle. Her brows were furrowed, as though she were listening for something. I don't know about you. I began, but she quickly interrupted me. I know exactly what you're going to say, and I feel it too. We sat there for another second, listening to a few faint notes of the radio that were still audible. The park stretched away on both sides of the road, and though it was dark, I could see the emptiness of landscape around us. It was only then I noticed that the street lamps lining the road were all out. It wasn't storming. In fact, it wasn't even windy. But we could clearly see across the expanses of browning grass as our eyes were becoming accustomed to the dark. There wasn't a living creature in sight. Well, what should I do? I finally asked. Just keep driving. She said, almost before I had finished my sentence. I slowly pulled back into the lane, accelerating up the hill. It could have been the darkness, and it could have been the shift in the emotion of the atmosphere, but my heart was beating double time from the increased adrenaline in my system. The darkness that surrounded us was too thick, too complete. There isn't a single car on the road. There isn't a single car to be seen, Elle said, without moving her head. It was as though we just wanted to speed through and reach the top of the hill, and if we didn't move or breathe, we'd somehow get there faster. I made a quick scan with my eyes, making sure to check the rearview mirror. She was right. There weren't headlights anywhere around, even on the shortcut. That just wasn't normal. Still, except for a bad feeling, there wasn't anything terribly out of place until we saw him. We were rolling up to the stop sign at the hill's peak when we noticed a man in the darkness, walking down the middle of the road. He was sauntering at a leisurely pace in the same direction we were driving, in a black trench coat and a black-brimmed hat. He seemed unfazed by the approaching car lights, not moving at all. Indeed, not even turning to look at our approaching vehicle. 
I decided to ignore the stop sign. Oh God, don't look at him. I heard Elle say as I watched her turn her face toward the passenger side window. But I didn't need her to say that because I already instinctively knew not to do it myself. I looked to the lower right corner of the windshield as we passed him and saw Elle crossing her arms over her stomach with my peripheral vision. We rolled down the other side of the hill, residential houses and yards standing vigil on the roadside, a reminder that we were becoming part of civilization once again. A streetlight shone before us, marking the entrance back into the yellowed light of the city neighborhood. I distinctly remember fighting the urge to look in the rearview mirror. Elle and I didn't speak a word until we were seated at a booth in the restaurant. It was clear we were both still plagued with the uncomfortable feeling that had started with that initial left turn. That was awful, I said to her to break the silence. You think we should tell someone? Who? She responded. And besides, do you think anyone will believe us? That comes from Rob Andrews. Yeah, interesting story. Yeah. They're going over this bridge and suddenly they're both immediately aware that there's something wrong. What I pictured, I don't know if this is right, one of those, you know, enclosed house bridges. Covered bridge? Yeah. Was that not it? It it had that feeling in the description. Maybe that's just the impression I got. Yeah, that's kind of the impression I got too, but I'm not sure the bridge itself is enclosed. Almost immediately after passing through the doorway of the bridge. The doorway, that's why I thought that. Yeah. It could have just been that feeling of enclosure. But I think what's interesting about the story is, and this character, this trench coat character is going to come back into play pretty hardcore soon here in a moment. But I think it's interesting because it's one of those situations, you know, you've ever been with somebody, a friend somewhere, and all of a sudden you feel something's wrong Mm -hmm. and they talk to each other about it. They get this feeling. uh, It's almost a sick kind of feeling. And we hear this kind of thing all the time when there's situations and encounters about to happen with something. And then to look around to see, notice that all the streetlights are out for some reason. There's no storm. Why would the streetlights be out? How remote this area was. Well, and that's the interesting thing. And it's which we're going to see as a theme throughout these stories is often these experiences happen when you're not around other, you're not around residences. You're not around quickie marts. You're not around, you know, you're, you're isolated as if like, why would there be someone there? Reminds me of Rogue's Hollow. Yeah. Yeah. Where the devil's, the Deborah's Triangle. And you go left and that's that kind of like. Right through those fields over the road tracks. That's what I kind of picture, yeah. Yeah. Kind of isolated area. Mm-hmm. So the feeling I guess I got from the story is essentially that this, whatever figure they come across after that negative feeling mm. is almost like this faceless man that just exudes. He's like leaking evil. It's so weird that you and say that. you're just that. picking up on that. It's so know? weird that you you say that and you're picking up on that even though that's not part of the description of this, of this entity because this is going to come into play here soon. I mean, that's a pretty, you know, Obvious assumption. That it's a faceless... Yeah, that's kind of what I thought. Or like, not, I, I meant faceless as in like we didn't get a description of what he looked like. Oh, do you like. mean actually faceless? Well, we'll see. <gasps> kind of. Well, I guess there's, they, there's a face. What happened? So no, they didn't actually look at the guy. No, this and this is the thing. So, and this is important, I think. What a coward. I've heard... The, <laughs> John be like, hey, buddy, why are you leaking <laughs> evil over there? <laughs> Keep your evil to yourself. Plug the hole. Close that trench coat. John was never seen again. <laughs> I know, but I would have definitely looked. Why would you not look? Now it's like Sodom and Gomorrah. You can't look back. It's like that tiger. It's that infrasound that the lions exude. Well, I think that, don't look, Bill. I think that what they were feeling, like you were saying, like you don't understand that they were scared, but I think I think that they knew that there would be severe repercussions if they, like there was a supernatural consequence that was going to take place if they look back in that moment. Creepy. Yeah. I remember this time you and I were driving on the road down to Columbus and we were fighting about something. We got into an argument and it was, yeah. it was an oddly intense argument. And then you could feel the energy building feel, up. I, we could both feel this kind of negative force pulling on us. You know, that kind of, you want to fight more kind mm-hmm. of feeling like you're just, you're... You kind of lose your center and just... Yeah, you're embraced yeah. by this darkness mm-hmm. and then right at that moment, flat tire. 
the tire exploded. But we both immediately felt like that was, it had something to do with our argument. Right. Like it just felt like the climax of this intense. Like the it was energy, weird, yeah. Either that caused it, or it was we like the tire was going to be blown, and so the fight was building to it. Yeah, it's just weird. Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. That is a weird feeling when you get in an argument occasionally, and you just it, you don't feel like yourself anymore. But yeah. it's not like you're out of your body you're or anything. Almost like taken over. Yeah, a little it's bit. like you're enjoying it in some weird mm-hmm. way. It's it does feel like you're disassociating yeah. from the situation and it's almost like something else kind of t- takes yeah, over. Yeah, exactly. you're the puppet on the string and there's a little demonic hand behind you just yeah. pulling on those. Especially when you drink. Yeah, you can be absolutely. Bad, you know, we've had a, our fair share of arguments when yeah. we've had a couple of drinks. At that time I knocked the frozen french fries or I threw them on the ground. We were fighting, you were fighting about something and you chased me into the bedroom and I slammed the door. Remember that? Oh, in Austin, Texas? Your house was scary. You were coming after me like a When was that? What man. house? We were visiting at your neighbor's place. It was late one night. We all had drinks. You were mad because Jeremy had taken the last of the French fries out of their out of their freezer, and you you got oh, mad at him for cooking them. You guys got in this big fight, and so Jeremy like threw the tray of French fries <laughs> and you chased him into the bathroom. <laughs> I slammed the door. Uh, that reminds me so much of growing up. Oh, How we many kids, times man. did I did I chase after you? And you slam the door and like barricade. How many yourself? holes in those doors? When, you know when I was back last year. We were spending time together one night watching... Uh, that was a good story. Watching something. We were talking about Netflix and we were drinking. We were, we were having a debate on how Netflix is run by evil forces and stuff. And I was like, there's some good movies on there. They're not all bad. And you, we were debating about it really hard. And then at one point you you grabbed me and threw me on the ground and like were holding me down and you said something in my face. And I... This was like when I first moved back a couple yeah, of years yeah. ago. And for some reason, I like I was in a really good mood. So I was just laughing and stuff. You just like the attention you're getting from John. I was probably just enjoying our, <laughs> our brother time together. Like regardless if you were had evil He's in looking your at face. me. <laughs> He's looking at me. You're like... Like eyes are on fire. <laughs> anyway. No, I know what story that was. Yeah, I know what you're I, saying. I definitely, I remember that. There was a little demon in me that night, I think. Yeah. yeah. And I think you can feel this if you pay attention to it. Even if you're not drinking, there are times, one of the moments that comes to mind for me is when I was at mom and dad's for some reason and you and there was a girl you were with at the time, you were coming home and I was hiding in the bathroom and no one else was home and I was just waiting to scare you. Oh, scare me. It was weird. As I was standing there just getting ready yeah. to frighten you, I, I started feeling. to feel almost like an a evil, darkness. a darkness. You're like, I could kill him if I wanted to. Not quite that. But you wanted to scare. But it felt like it was something outside of you me. You wanted to pull the fear. It was weird. We talked about this before too. There is that feeling when you're around the corner waiting to scare someone, where if you're waiting long enough, you start to feel this darkness. There's another influence. Yeah. And that influence might be something that's ready to feed off the fear. Probably, that's probably what it is. Yeah, it's you a know? piggybacker. He's like, oh, he's, he's about to shake the banana Definitely tree. It feels like something's <laughs> influencing you. Right. Mm-hmm. It wants to feed and you're giving it some assistance. Should we do another story? Let's do it. <laughs> All right, let's see if we can get a little more information on the same character. I mean, to me, these were different stories, but they seemed very similar in the supernatural suspect that Experiencer comes across. Never in my life have I been more terrified than I was that night in 2002. I was driving east on Wisconsin's Highway A, between Three Lakes and Sugar Camp. This highway was nothing out of the usual. It was quiet, the speed limit was 55 miles an hour, and it had no history of hauntings as far as I knew. It was a cool and dark spring night and the moon rose high. I was alone and just driving, thinking about things. The car radio was turned off. There's a stretch in the road that runs past an old building that served as a picnic house. The yard next to it had a park. I can't remember the last time I saw anyone there or any kids. I was distracted and a little stressed out. I was looking at the old picnic house when I saw a figure in the middle of the road. 
I couldn't really make out what it looked like at that point. It was a man, at least it looked human. I swerved out of the way the moment I saw him, hitting the brake hard. I was nearly thrown into a ditch but came to an abrupt stop when I hit a tree. My car steaming, broken. I was mad. Who wouldn't be? I got out of the car limping. My head was bleeding. I walked toward the figure swearing at him. What the hell are you doing standing in the middle of the road, man? I yelled. The man had his back to me. He was wearing a trench coat and turned around to face me. Again, that trench coat. This man's face was every scary movie you've ever seen. His face was white, his eyes red, glowing like fire. The best way to put it is that I was alone on a highway with a man who almost killed me, who had no face and red eyes. His face was inhuman. It looked like it had been burned or like someone had thrown hot grease all over him. His face was so raw and frightening that I let out a scream of terror. The man opened his mouth and laughed like he heard a joke. His laugh was vibrant, blood-curdling. What was even more blood-curdling were the screams and moans he let out. I was beyond petrified. I ran and he chased after me. Soon his voice got closer and closer to me, which meant that he had to be getting closer and closer to me. The sounds that were coming out of him now sounded like he was crying and screaming and moaning at the same time. That's horrifying. Yeah. It was so high-pitched and loud at one point that I had to cover my ears. I could feel the man's breath on the back of my neck. Then the man grabbed me by the back of my neck. I can't remember much after this. All I remember was seeing a light coming down the road and turning into two lights. I heard beeping, and then I fell down, while that terrifying scream echoed in the back of my head. I saw a figure coming up to me and heard them yell at someone to call an ambulance. I woke up in the hospital. My head and legs hurt. My nurse came up to me and said something that I couldn't hear. I just heard barely audible sounds and moans from somewhere. Then my parents came. I stayed another night in the hospital and my hearing didn't come back for another two days. All I could think about was what I saw the night before and I was still afraid. My hearing loss was obviously caused by whatever that creature was that kept crying and screaming into my ears. My parents told me that when they came to see me, I was as white as snow. I don't know who the red-eyed man was, why he was chasing me, why he was screaming, why he had red eyes, why his face was all messed up, why he was in the middle of the road. I don't know anything. I just know that I don't drive on that highway at night anymore. And that's from Logan Lee Brosh. Yeah, interesting that, story. Could it be possibly because he got in an accident and hurt himself? Like, nope, demon. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I of mean, course. That's the most logical. I was saying the same thing. Like, the, I mean, of course, to be skeptical about it would be the guy got into an accident, right. whatever, if he had brain damage or just the shock or even a dream that happened after the accident being incapacitated. Right. To explain, because sometimes you, if you're hurt in real life, you might, and you're knocked out, you will have Especially if it's dreams. brain, potentially, head injury. Right. 
But I mean, even if it's traumatic, maybe it was screeching metal from the accident, whatever it was that could have caused that, but maybe it triggered this kind of dream state or this experience of this demon thing screaming at him. I mean, that's It is that's weird that argument. his hearing was damaged. That doesn't really happen from an accident. Yeah, no, that's true. That is bizarre. Yeah. I mean, that leads me to believe that something else happened, but... It does sound like that would be caused by prolonged... Yeah, I mean, unless, you know, there could probably be pressure that could potentially damage, but it sounds like there's a difference between rupturing an eardrum because of an accident and a loud prolonged mm -hmm. sound. Right, that's a good point. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting too, this story and like the one before it, first of all, a lot of similarities, right? You, you have, have the, the trench, trench coat, coat, the darkness. Right, also walking down the center of the road. And now looking back through the stories that I grabbed, the good majority of them involve something walking down the middle of the road. It almost makes me think like, are there things out there that, sure, potentially ghosts, you know, potentially the common suspects you'd think about haunting the bride that didn't make it to her wedding or the hitchhiker thing. But walking down the center of the road makes me wonder like, that's the perfect place to find someone who is alone, mm -hmm. very alone. If you're out driving alone, especially cross country or something on a highway and it's late night, remote area, if you want to take advantage of someone being completely abandoned by themselves and frightened, that's where you would want to, mm -hmm. it'd be like, it's like fishing, you yeah. know, like that's where you would go. That's the good that's spot. That's a good point. Terror fishing. Terror fishing. Yeah. Feeding on that fear. Imagine if you could get someone into an accident and then chase them with fiery eyes and screaming <laughs> yeah. sounds of hell. Imagine the, the food you would receive from that if you're feeding on that fear. You right. know, like you get this guy knocked like off the road. for months. Exactly. Until he passes out and the people come call an ambulance. Yeah. So weird. Yeah. This story and the last story, both two experiences of something yeah. walking down the road, just like Frank's, right? Oh, that's coming up. We had a listener write in, really good story. That's coming up in this yeah, episode? Yeah, that's why I thought this is a perfect episode to do a story. Similar experience, right? Something walking down the center mm -hmm. of the road. So we'll get to that. Okay, cool. How much would it take for you guys to walk from here to your house? At night? In the middle of the night. We used to. We'd have to walk through Rogue's Hollow. By yourself. Well, we used to do it with friends, but we used to do a ghost tracks walk every summer, early summer. No, I'm talking from here all the way to your house in Doylestown. Yeah. By yourself, 2 a.m. By myself. Is there an amount that you'd yeah, do Yeah, I mean, I would do it. I'd do it. It'd be scary. It would though. be scary. Especially dude, when you get into the hollow, dude. That would be terrifying. The hollow is a creepy place. There's just something about, because I'll wake up sometimes around two or three in the morning and I go downstairs and, and my house is fairly remote. It's not super remote, but when I look out that the window, the kitchen window that looks towards the old abandoned elementary school, yeah. that time of night, it's just creepy, dude. Mm -hmm. I just imagine like some dog man walking through the field <laughs> just or like, And like looking over at you. With it's just, there's something so, and especially because that's when all like the worst nightmares happen. Mm -hmm. There's something really dark about that time period. That's the worst time to find yourself waking up and oh, looking yeah. at the clock. Oh shit, it's exactly three and I'm right. alone. The devil's out. Yeah, uh, you're exactly right. I rode my bike once, like a few years ago from Canal Fulton when I had that apartment through Kepler Road. You know where Kepler is, goes up that hill and then down and it's just like kind of fields on both sides with occasional houses, kind Good of meeting spot. Mm -hmm. It's not Benner and Lever, but it's Kepler. It's one road over to get to Clinton. Yeah. Anyways, I rode my bike there and it was harder than I thought. The hill was more intense. Once I finally got up that hill, which was pitch black and wooded on both sides, this is right when I started listening to Dogman Encounters. Mm -mm. And, <laughs> and part of me was like, is this real? Is it not? But when you're out there, it's absolutely oh, yeah. real in your mind. It's a possibility. Right. And we'd heard stories even in our area. So I was thinking... They can smell the fear. Don't be afraid. <laughs> Vic, don't fail me now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As, as crazy as it sounds, when you're left alone like that, yeah. out in the dark. Oh, for sure. And, and yeah, just like rural areas. And it's going to take a while for you to get where you're going. Yeah. And things can move a lot faster just, when they're yeah, evil. It just seems like there's just doorways that open up during that mm -hmm. time period. 
You're vulnerable. I choose to believe that it's not just my imagination doorway too. I, do I choose th- to believe. I do. Th- let me be clear. I do think that Dogman <laughs> is real and they are out there. <laughs> let me be clear. Dogman needs healthcare too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I want to do one more story before we go to break. This one's short and it's, uh, it's going to change the mood up a little bit. So before we get back into some darkness, we're going to do sort of a sweet story. This mm. is called Ghost Kiss. It's kind of sexy. Sexy, huh? Sexy. Oh, is this anything like, uh, what's that called when people have succubus encounter? Intercourse with... Kind of. Ghosts? There's a name for that. Succubus? No. Oh, people that feel like they have a, a sexual relationship with ghosts. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of this? I've heard of it. I used to want to do this for a show. I used to want to have sex with a ghost. No, no, no. Cover the topic. Spectre erotica? Something like that. But it's it's such a weird phenomenon. I thought it'd be just interesting to talk about. Spectre course? Because it is possible. Could be a demonic succubus type. What a weird baby you'd have. I don't think that that would. Yeah. Maybe you have a baby in the spiritual plane. Sometimes I feel like Ghost I babies. get sexually assaulted in, by demons in my dreams. Well, there you go. It's the succubus and the incubus. That's part of it. So this would be that happening, except that you are a welcome receiver. Right. Hey, here's our first actual trucker story. You ready? This comes from Susan Miller. I have a story that happened to me a year or two ago while I was parked at a truck stop sleeping in my truck bunk. I can't remember where this happened, state, city, etc. I wrote down the information in one of my notebooks, and the notebook is in storage. I am a female driver, and at the time, I had my Chow Shepherd mix dog, Rowan, with me. We both sleep on the small bed. Rowan wanted to sleep at the head of the bed, so I turned around and put my head at what would be the foot of the bed. These truck beds are small, like twin size. I was sleeping soundly when I was awakened by someone trying to kiss me. He was poking his tongue between my lips and trying to get me to open my mouth a bit so he could kiss me. I remember an old boyfriend I had. (laughs) I remember an old boyfriend I had years ago that would do that. I kept my eyes closed because I thought that if I opened them, he would go away. What? This incident was nice. Sweet kiss. What? That's terribly red. What do you mean? You go, this incident was nice. Sweet kiss. (laughs) This incident was a nice, sweet kiss and surely could have been a lot worse. I decided to kiss him back. It was a sweet, regular kiss that a normal man and woman would exchange. This is sending the wrong message. <laughs> Someone kisses you in the middle of the night with your eyes closed. Just, just take it. Just go with it. I am not that lonely on the road, as one might think. I have been single for about 10 years by choice. I have my dog to keep me company and my computer, audiobooks, podcasts, and work to keep me busy. The way that this kiss happened was that If this was a regular man in the cab with me, he would have had his back against the wall, and I would have had my back against a cabinet, and we would be very cramped. Roan was taking up half the bed, so I was up against the wall, with only about a park bench width to sleep on. So this man would have had to have been in the wall. With the amount of room I had to lay down, no regular man would have fit. We all three wouldn't fit on the bed, man, me, and dog. So he was actually in the wall and facing me. It was very weird, and it was nice and sweet. I did not feel violated. It just felt more like a usual boyfriend kiss. That's my story. Oh, interesting story, Susan. Interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, definitely your first instinct when you hear a story like that is, you know, it's kind of rapey. It's kind of like ghost. But I guess if there was an... She liked it. She liked it. Well, I guess... It was welcome. Yeah, my initial thought would be like someone's in my truck and they're... You know, trying to force a gross kiss. Well, there must on have me. been a sense of knowing. That well, the, you also know the mean? fact that where she said it was positioned, there's no way that could have been, been a person. Yeah. So then, yeah, that that takes away the rapey. At least the human rapey. I mean, it could still be ghost yeah. rapey. I guess it doesn't matter if you're cross dimensional. Oh, it matters. Same laws are not in place. 
Teen American Horror Story? She had been single for 10 years, so she was probably... Ready for a good kiss? Yeah. I'm ready. Maybe she manifested it. Give me a ghost. I want a ghost kiss. I want a ghost kiss. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, interesting. Well, let's let's take a quick break uh, and reflect on those stories that we've heard. (laughs) And when we come back... Oh, spectrophilia. That's what it's called. Oh, it's close. Yeah, spectrophilia is... uh, Sexual attraction to ghosts or sexual arousal from images in mirrors, as well as the alleged phenomenon of sexual encounters between ghosts and humans. Humans. Interesting. That sounds like a whole fiction genre. Yeah, the succubus, the incubus, the sexophilia as a fetish. That's something we should talk about. Sure. If I have a daughter, I'm going to name her genre. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's awful, John. That seems appropriate. Like She-Ra, but genre? Powerful. Nice. Powerful name. Genre. I like it. All right, guys, we'll see you in a minute. Bye. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Welcome back to the open road. Before we get back into some awesome stories, Jeremy, what's coming up on the expansion? Yeah, so for those of you expansioneers out there. And people that are soon to be expansioneers. Yes, like you, Jeff. Get me. <laughs> Those 19 Jeffs are going, what, Tina? Sarah, get over there. Yeah, so it's going to be really fun. I'm excited uh, because it's a topic near and dear to my heart. Humanoid encounters. Now, we've talked about humanoids before. And these oh, yeah. are basically anything non-human that are human-ish. We're going to look a little bit at some belief systems. We've talked about the Dogon people before. Their advanced oh, yeah. knowledge they've gotten supposedly from fish people that come out of the ocean or down mm-hmm. from the sky. The Hopi ant people that save them from apocalypse right. between the first and second world in their folklore, their mythology. These things that could have reality to them. You know, We've talked about nymphs and fairies and all these kinds of things. Well, we're going to be talking about some of these iconic belief structures that hint at this reality of these others, these strange others, right? These non-human humanoids, and then get into some really interesting modern encounters from the 1990s. Ooh, the 90s. Yeah, 90s. Best decade. Humanoid encounters from the 1990s. We're going to cover some Pretty stories. specific. Yeah, there's stories from this great book. This guy's done a series. He does like every decade, he does humanoid encounters from that decade. And there's a crazy amount. He selects the best ones. He's put out all these books and just does it as like a passion project. Are these the ones that are just Russian encounters? There was a wave in Russia. Yeah, it's weird. In the 90s of these humanoid encounters, just people getting transported out of their houses, seeing three meter tall robot men, just weird stuff. Those are the best kind of men. But it's going to be fascinating. I, I won't get too much into detail here because uh, I want to get back to these trucker Is stories. nine feet tall? Mm-hmm. Robot men? Mm-hmm. Nine to 12 feet, some Damn. Feet. That's too scarifying. Mm-hmm. So sign up for the expansion to hear about those 
handsome robot. Yeah, there. it's freaky. It's some crazy stuff. And we're gonna we are gonna talk a little bit about the Dogon people, which is a fascinating story. Awesome. I hope you so. I'm excited for that. Stick around for that, guys. Scarifying. If you're not in the expansion now, head on over to bleepful.com. Just made that up. Sure did. Head on over to bleepful.com and click the sign up for the expansion button. The big red expansion button. Access granted. Thank you. And then we'll see you in the expansion. Do yourself a favor and get over there. Do your civic duty. Do your entertainment <laughs> self a favor. That makes sense. You know what I mean. <laughs> Words like, and things. Do, do us all a favor. <laughs> you look so sincere right there. <laughs> Please do us all a favor. Get your balls over there. And we'll see you there, guys. All right, well, in the meantime, let's get back to some uh, incredible stories on the road. This story comes from Real Police Ghost Stories, the true tales of the paranormal as told by cops and other law enforcement officials. It's a long title for a very good book by Zachary Knowles. Hmm. Um, and this story, this is, I thought, an excellent story. Shadow Man. Who wants to read this one? I will, because okay. I'm pretty good at reading. All right, this time, Jeremy, you read the quote. You're going to be a cop. You're going to be an authoritative character. Can you do that? Boys, don't move. <laughs> All right. I said slowly with your hands. That's a little... I'm a policeman. <laughs> <laughs> That's not how authority... This is how we all talk. It's deeper and more subtle. Please don't move. <laughs> okay, it's a little too deep. All right. Ready? Go for it. This incident took place in the dry, dusty areas of the southern U.S., where houses are miles apart and separated by scrubland, fields of oil pumps, and parched gravel roads that seem to go on forever. Many residents go their entire lives without moving away or seeing another part of the country, and the memories of the place run deep and old. One late night in this landscape, a young police officer was called by an elderly man about a trespasser on his property. The caller described a big black figure he'd seen out of the back of his property hanging around his shed. At first, he was just irate that someone was trespassing on his land, but steadily he grew scared as the man didn't leave, but instead watched him from the shadows. The officer arrived a short while later, and the old man, incredibly frightened, met him out front. He said he kept seeing the huge black man in the backyard, and he even thought he might be naked, but he wasn't sure. Nor did he know if the man was armed. He did know he felt like the figure meant him harm. The officer seeing the old man in his isolation and hearing a story about a massive black man wandering around the outside house, thought there was a good chance the old man was just starting to see things, but he decided to check it out anyway. Getting the homeowner to stay at the front of the house, the officer pulled his flashlight out and headed around the back to see if there was an intruder. As he neared the back of the house, the officer started to smell something awful. It was an acrid, hot, chemical smell, like burning aluminum which made him choke and cough. In any other place, this would be unusual. But as the home was near the oil fields, the officer didn't really think too much about it. When his light fell across the shed, he saw the old man hadn't been seeing things. There, standing silhouetted against the wooden shed was a huge black figure. At first, the officer thought the figure was naked and all he could see was an enormous human-shaped figure with broad shoulders and no visible clothing as its lower half was obscured by the shrub and sawing horses the old man had beside the shed. What he thought was especially strange was the fact that the man's skin had a strange texture, like it was covered in raised bumps. Thinking it might be a psych case, 
he'd need to react carefully. The officer put his hand on his gun and approached the figure slowly. Police, don't move, he said, not shouting as to not startle the man and cause an issue. Turn around slowly with your hands where I can see them, he continued. The figure turned at the sound of the officer's voice and it was then the officer realized what he was seeing wasn't a human being or anything he'd ever seen before at all. The thing was jet black, like the darkest shadow imaginable without physical or facial features except two massive red glowing eyes. Without thinking, the officer went to pull his firearm out of its holster, but his movements spurred the figure into action. Turning around, it began to walk away from the officer, its right shoulder passing through the shed like it wasn't there, and then through a cinder block wall that marked the edge of the property a short distance further on. The officer stated as it passed through the shed and the wall, there was a sound like a bug zapper or arcing electricity, and the chemical smell worsened. Shaken, scared, and unsure as to what he'd just seen, the officer slowly backed out of the garden and headed around the front again. When he got there, the old man said he'd been getting worried something happened to the officer since he was gone for so long. When the confused officer asked for clarification, The old man said he'd been gone for over half an hour. The officer felt like it had only been a few minutes. Thinking to spare the old man further, he told him he'd seen someone, but he ran off into the darkness as soon as he saw the officer and he hadn't been able to give chase. Liar. Why didn't you? I would have told him. There's a giant demon in your backyard. (laughs) Yeah, I'd be like, you might want to be worried about the demon that lives in your backyard. Together, they went back around to the shed, but nothing had been moved or disturbed. However, the smell of burning aluminum remained. This seemed to satisfy the old man, who thanked the officer and went back into his house. The officer, on the other hand, was ill for days after his encounter with the creature. His face and hands became sore and peeled, as if he'd been badly sunburned. Weird. No one in the town saw the creature again, but the officer stands by his story to this day. Weird. I mean, it's weird. The whole story's weird, but it's weird. You know, the chemical smell. Maybe it was like a radioactive mutant. Oh, and that gave him the ability to pass through material. Yeah. Some like comic book character. Yeah, it, sound, it sounded very like Marvel-y. Yeah. Super what I was thinking, well, first of all, I think there is a specific symptom here to time slips where he talks about the missing time, right? The owner of the home said he was gone for half an hour. And he yeah. felt like it was a few minutes. Yeah. So that went in combination with the strange acrid smell. And we always talk about the potential of shadow people being interdimensional. Was there some sort of interdimensional travel going on there that just appeared to be a demonic shadow figure? Right. You you wonder about this, like, it seems whatever these things are, I mean, they're not friendly. These ones for sure. Yeah. Although, to be fair, I mean, I agree in general. And this one probably, I mean, you see something. Well, if you see something like this, especially with red glowing eyes, you're immediately going to think some sort of demonic influence here. But it's interesting. He didn't do anything really. Well, that's what I mean. I'm wondering if they have the capability of hurting people. Well, it's funny. I was just thinking as you were reading it, I was kind of re-listening to it. And I was thinking about all these aspects of interdimensional travel. What if, and this is really far out. This is a big what if. It was a big what if, guys. Get ready. Hold on to your butts. What if in cases, like for example, we had the listener stories episode recently where our listener had seen what almost seemed like a light portal appear in his childhood bedroom where shadow figures were almost coming in and out or leaving as if there was some sort of gateway. Do you remember that? Yeah. 
shadows on the wall. So what if oh, yeah. that in conjunction with so many stories about these shadow figures and the combinations of the acrid smell, the missing time, what if you happen to travel interdimensionally, whether it's you're in some some dimension where that's a possibility as part of your technology or, or natural ability, or whether you're in our reality and somehow develop some sort of technology where you can do this sort of thing. What if what you see on the other side when you're coming in, what the other people see or other entities are seeing when you enter is a silhouette of who you are, a shadow of yourself. And what if sometimes these shadow cases are just people who are traveling either intentionally or people who get caught in time slips who are momentarily somewhere else. Maybe people on the other end are seeing shadow people. Now that's, it's funny because the shadow is the vehicle. Remember we talked about that idea, that story of the, the fairy. Oh yeah, leprechaun. Leprechaun was a leprechaun mm -hmm. who was caught cutting the man's shadow. No, I'm sorry, no. no that yeah. was such a funny story. Yeah, so weird. And he's like, oh, oh, he catch me. <laughs> and the idea that like maybe they are entities from other dimensions using people's shadows stolen right. by gnomes like that to mm -hmm. use the ability to transfer between. I mean, that's crazy, but yeah. it's it's a cool idea. But I was just thinking, like, what if that's what you just see? That's your perception. You just see the shadow. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, the fact this thing was giant and red eyes. Maybe that's just what these entities are in this other realm potentially. Yeah. I'm not it's saying that's just yeah. like a demon, you know. Mm -hmm. All the, all these things are possible. Food for thought, and they're all real. They're all real as it gets. That story ties into the expansion for sure. Oh, cool! Just bizarre characteristics of these humanoid things that aren't quite human, but people run into these things yeah. underground in their backyard. Sometimes there's missing time; they'll be transported to a different place. And as far as them being negative, there's like the new agey visitations, right? Like one girl who was shown the future of what man's doing to the world and she becomes an environmentalist. The messenger, you know? the warning messenger, right. like Mothman. And a lot this, of them emitting like love too yeah. and that kind of thing. So there are both sides. This story kind of ties into Mothman too and the author even mentions that at the end that the officer had heard about Mothman later and then started to realize how his experience relates as far as like red glowing eyes, dark figure, ominous oh, yeah. presence. Oh, and most importantly, I guess I'd forgotten this, but apparently there were some encounters with Mothman during the time of Point Pleasant where people had radiation burns, just like this officer yeah, had. Yeah, it's a common thing too. Yeah. There's a great story in the expansion of basically a UFO incident where this thing comes down and it's kind of a repair job. Another vehicle comes down to awesome. help it. I love those. But what happens to the people involved is they end up with severe poisoning. I think one of them actually dies. Oh, I don't love that. We'll have to get to the story in the expansion. It's fascinating. There's a lot of just bizarre stories like that. Yeah. All right, this next story comes from a Belief Hole listener. Uh, oh, this is fantastic. Frank, right? Right, Frank's story. Very well written. Yeah. Good job, and Frank. Synchronistically, he sent this in while we were on a road trip. Oh, that's right. We were in Texas. Yeah, we're coming back from Texas. New Orleans. In New Orleans. That's a long time ago then, huh? I guess last year. Yeah. Yep. We're catching up on those listener stories. <clears throat> so this comes from Frank. Um, I'm glad I say Frank's story because it ties so well into this episode and it ties so well into an account I'm going to deliver immediately after Frank's story there's going to be some things that line directly up with his account and see what you think. I'll give you Frank's impression of what this experience meant after we read his account. This is Woman in the Road by Frank. It was late September of either 2008 or 2009. I read that there was going to be a spectacular meteor shower that weekend with hundreds of shooting stars visible per hour during peak viewing times. Several of my close friends and I decided that we'd take a drive out to a secluded section of beach along Lake Erie to try and watch the meteor shower. We chose this particular spot about 40 minutes south of our hometown Buffalo, New York, due to the fact that the downtown city skyline was not visible from this location, and there was little light pollution whatsoever. We packed up some blankets and headed out there spending several hours stargazing. The night was clear and deep and we were able to witness a mesmerizing number of shooting stars. Around three or four in the morning, we hopped back into the car and began the drive back home to the city. 
While traveling along Route 5, we began to pass through the small town of Lackawanna. This particular stretch of road is five lanes wide, with massive abandoned industrial steel mill type buildings on the right-hand side. On the left-hand side is a vast open area littered with rusted pieces of old machinery, empty shipping containers and train parts, and the remnants of the steel mill which used to sit in between the roadway and the lake. There are no residential homes along that particular stretch, nor convenience stores or anything of that nature, and that's gonna be important coming up here. Though somewhat sleepy, we were all awake as we passed through this long, straight, wide stretch of road. I should also note that we don't do drugs or consume alcohol, so we were in a clear frame of mind. While staring straight ahead out of our car's front windshield, I suddenly became aware of a figure in the road just feet from our vehicle. She was a tall, thin, older-looking woman. She had long, white, blonde hair and pale skin, was wearing what appeared to be a long, white nightgown, and was completely barefoot. She was dead center in the middle of the roadway, on the double yellow line separating the lines, slowly walking towards the direction of oncoming traffic. She seemed to be staring straight ahead of herself, not looking left or right as if crossing the street, and not concerned in the least with the cars whizzing by her at high rates of speed. Being the middle of the night in the late September, it was much too cold for an older woman to be outside in nothing but a nightgown, walking in the roadway with no shoes, there was nowhere for her to be coming from or going to, as the stretch of road was bordered by abandoned factories and open acres of industrial waste. What was most striking about seeing this woman in the roadway is how we saw her. From a distance, we didn't see her in the middle of the roadway, and we didn't see her cross to the point from one side or the other. As we got closer, we didn't see her magically materialize in a spooky mist. I can't say that one second she wasn't there and the next second she just appeared. The best way to describe it is that all five of us in the car suddenly became aware of her, all at the same time. It's hard to describe, but it felt as if we were the ones who appeared to her, as if we existed in different realities which synced up with each other in that instant. My friends and I weren't scared or alarmed. We didn't scream or jolt the way people do in movies when a ghost suddenly appears. It was more a feeling of confusion than anything else. Where did she come from? How did she get into the middle of the road without us seeing her? And why hadn't any of the five of us noticed her there until our vehicle was nearly next to her? About 10 seconds after we passed her, we all began to ask each other whether or not we had seen that. We tried to rationalize the experience. We had seen the woman. We hadn't imagined her. Maybe she was just some crazy person who had walked a great distance from a house somewhere, etc. There was a specific reason those rationalizations didn't reassure me though. What was more bizarre than how we had all suddenly become aware of the woman's presence is the fact that no one else in the area seemed to notice her. There were other cars on the roadway at the time. There were cars ahead of us driving in the same direction as well as cars on the other side of the road traveling towards us. None of the other cars reacted to her presence. The cars ahead of us didn't tap their brakes, slow down, or switch into the other lane to give her space. The cars traveling towards us didn't change lanes or slow down, as is customary when there is some type of road hazard. Everyone else continued to drive, unhindered, reactionless, as if they hadn't seen the woman in the roadway. To this day, my friends and I ask each other about this experience every so often. We'll tell the story again to remind each other and double check to make sure everyone actually remembers it, and that it wasn't something that one of us merely imagined. While there may be explanations for this sighting that are rationally possible, I can't think of any that are plausible or likely. 
I'm at a loss for how to characterize the woman in the nightgown. Was she a ghost, a time traveler, or something else? Though I've always been interested in things like this and have always tried to keep myself open to these types of experiences, I can honestly say that this is the first and only time I've been faced with something that I cannot find a convincing explanation for. Frank. Creepy. Interesting. I mean, the details there, again, that center of the road, Mm -hmm. seeming to not appear. Did you say she was barefoot? Barefoot, very tall, slight woman. And again, this is another area that is surrounded by non-residential areas. There's no convenience stores. It's apparently a part of a, I just looked this up, it's a part of a Ohio River Trail. It's called the Ghost Town Trail, which is like a 26 or 38 mile bike ride through ghost towns through like New York oh, wow. to Ohio of just these ghost towns you can like ride through on the trails. So it's out there with old steel country, closed down mines, abandoned, abandoned buildings. Yeah, who would be out there? That's right. what's kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. And the fact that no one else was reacting, these other cars on the roadway, no one's reacting to this woman in the middle of the road. Yeah. It's interesting aspects to this. He was someone who took a bet to walk home at night for money. An old woman, <laughs> That's a great an old woman who was bet by her friends to walk home miles away. Yeah. There was, I was looking up back when he sent this, I was trying to find corroborative stuff. I mean, it's grasping at straws that someone else might've seen a figure mm-hmm. on the road in this area. But I, this is kind of interesting. I don't know if it exactly relates, but there apparently was a deadly train crash of the Lackawanna Limited train, it was called. Oh. Um, it actually, it sounds like it happened in Wayland, which is about an hour and a half from Lackawanna. It was a deadly, horrific train crash. You said an hour and a half away? Hour and a half away, yeah. Yeah. 29 passengers killed, 114 injured. I mean, 1943, I believe. I. Oh, weird. Did it happen on Halloween? Anyways, I'm briefly reading over this kind of history of that. It's it's an hour and a half away. That's a long walk for a ghost, maybe? Yeah. This, I, mean, I was just trying to find something kind of corroborative. Yeah. But. I think this reads to me more like the typical accounts you hear of time slips or mm-hmm. interdimensional. But barefoot on the road, why would someone be walking in the future on that road barefoot Maybe. or in another dimension barefoot. Well, I mean, multiple number of reasons. Number one, if it's a different time, it might not be a roadway then. It might be someone's like home. the hallway to the bathroom? Could be. <laughs> That's possible. <laughs> uh, if it's interdimensional, I mean, who knows? It was I mean, interesting too that no one saw her until they were right up on her. Right. Right. Um, yeah, that that is an interesting story. And, the, the, well there's, written. and there's so many accounts like this and there are so many similar aspects from other stories. Like, well, again, the ones we've read today with the center line thing. is It's just interesting to me for some Walking reason. Walking in the middle. Is there something to that? Mm-hmm. The center of the road. Um, that is interesting because that almost seems purposeful. Yeah. You might be kind of three quarters in the road if you're passing through dimensions and you're not sure where you are or you're a ghost or you're just a person, right? Yeah. If you're doing something unconsciously, you wouldn't think they'd be right in the center, but it makes sense if you're if there's a purpose behind it. If you're going somewhere and you're maybe seeking refuge from the woods around you or whatever, mm-hmm. you'd be walking in the center of the road. You might be kind of out of it, but you'd be aware that this is the boundaries of the road. I'm going to walk in the middle. Yeah. You know, it just seems kind of purposeful. I mean, if you did want to go ghost route, I mean, there is a lot of stories of barefoot nightgown. Right. You know, older woman or fair hair, fair skin. Right. Died nearby. Um, maybe the body was dumped. Well, last thing I want to say about that story with the the stories of what seem like interdimensional people coming from other places that aren't supposed to be here, it's often tall, fair, Nordic-looking type people that shouldn't be there. Like me? John, a little more fair. A little taller, too. Little fairer? You're not quite fair. Like, your hair needs to be more blonde, I should be blue, and you should be like 10 feet. And prettier. Prettier? Like a woman? Or a pretty man. I'm pretty pretty. <laughs> pretty, <laughs> pretty pretty. <laughs> Just kidding. Uh, but the story I want to do, real, it's a short story right after that that actually comes from trucker ghost stories from Annie Wilder. And it is startlingly similar to what 
Frank experienced. So weird because it's called Girl in the Window. There's a story I titled A Humanoid Encounter that we're into the expansion called Window Freaks. <gasps> weird. And it's basically the same thing, like something you shouldn't have seen out the window. Yeah. Well, this story relates directly to Frank's and on its own is not that remarkable of an account, this story. But I bolded here certain lines and I want you to see how it connects to Frank's story. Let's do it. The Girl in the Window. Hey, my name is Matt McFadden. This is my story that happened while I was trucking for a combine harvest crew. It happened in northern Saskatchewan. It was around 10 p.m. or so. I had just gotten a load of wheat and I was heavy, but it had been like that all day. At night, I mostly run in the center or on the center line of the road. The lights on my rig don't go that far out and aren't real bright. So I'm going down the road. It's dark, no moon. There's no houses on this road. Again, no houses. So I figure I won't see anyone because I hadn't yet passed anyone on the road. But for some reason, I decided to hold my lane. I'm moving right along, and I happened to look out my window on the driver's side for some reason. I saw a face looking up at me. It was a girl, in her late teens or early 20s, with dark hair. But that's all I could really see. She was on the center line. Again, on the center line. I couldn't tell you if she was floating, tall, or an optical illusion just that her face was there, clear as day at my window, which is odd because I was watching the road and the ditches for deer, but there was a face looking at me right in the eye. I looked in my mirror, then I radioed to ask the next trucker if he saw anything. Breaker, breaker, one nine. Anyone out there see any ghost ladies on this road? We both saw nothing. I asked the farmer the next day if anyone lived in the area. He said no one. Nothing has ever lived where I saw her but she was there. It comes from Matt McFadden. Again, I mean, how many similarities in that story relate to Frank's? And then to other stories, it's just bizarre. Like, you don't see it until you're right up on it. It pops up. Walking the center lane, a tall female, Uh huh. right? This is weird, too, because he's, it must be real tall or floating. Because mm-hmm. it's in a semi-truck. It is bizarre. You hear those sometimes where, like the redhead hitchhiker at, at uh, Bridgewater, Bridgewater Triangle, Oftentimes they would just see the face in the windshield. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like in disembodied face. Oh, there's a famous road, Lincolnshire, where there's a disembodied face. This one's very large, pitted, terrifying green face. Yeah, interesting connections with the center line. and the- Yeah, there's something to it, man. There's something to these experiences when it seems like there's so many common threads, the walking, the center line, the... Maybe like the center line represents the shifting of portals, like going back and forth. Oh, that's interesting. Oh, yeah. Yeah, because we talk about how like water right? Is this medium between land and air where that's a transient point between dimensions? Mm -hmm. What if it's the same thing with roads? You're going from place to place. And the center of that road is where the transition would happen. Mm -hmm. It's interesting too. I don't know if you guys have heard this theory. I think we've talked about it. So this will probably sound familiar, but the idea that on the astral plane, there are things that are representative of what's here. Like in the astral plane, there might be a house or an object you have in your home or a roadway that exists here, but also there. So it would make sense if that is a true aspect of some dimension or some astral plane where there is a relationship, then you could see why it would be used to get from one place to another, mark your place and know where you are within that realm because you know where the beginning, where the road leads to and where you came from. Interesting. sense. But let's wrap it up with, I think appropriately, a time slip story. From... Jenny Randall's book, Time Storms. Great book. Because that last story does remind me sort of a time slip kind of account. And this time slip story has been one I've wanted to do for a while and it's on the roadway. And if you guys ever want these books, we never cover all the stories because there's just so many in these books. If you ever want a copy of the one that we're covering, 
We'll always have a link in the show notes. So definitely check our show notes out on our website. Whether you're listening to this on iTunes, CastBox, whatever podcast player, Spotify, there'll be a link to the show notes. So check that out and say hi. Leave a comment on the page. Hello. So this is the last account. And this is... The Tulin Incident. Reynard was a French naval technician working in the Mediterranean port of Toulon. In 1971, he was regularly driving the 80 miles to Nice to visit his girlfriend. He always left the homeward trip around midnight, taking two hours to reach Toulon. Checks on driving the route showed this to be a reasonable estimate. On this particular night, 1.30 a.m., he was on the final leg, listening to the radio to pass the time. Suddenly, the transmission began to fill with static and then faded away. Then he noticed an orange glow low down and almost on the bonnet of his Citroën. Renard knew that the road ran close to a military base and assumed the orange blob was from there. But then his engine began to fail and he lost speed as the orange glow grew closer. Fearful that a plane had mistaken the road for a runway, he instinctively pressed on the brakes, even though the engine had now stopped completely. Nothing happened. Indeed, to his utter astonishment, Renard could see that the orange glow was illuminating everything around him, and he was floating off the road some 10 or 15 feet up. Terrifying. Almost as soon as he became aware of this impossibility, the orange glow vanished, and there was a heavy thud as the Citron was dumped back onto the RN-97. Staggering from the car, dazed but not injured, Renard gaped in the shock at the damage. The boot had been thrown open and the spare wheel tossed onto the road. The driver's seat had collapsed and the back seat was deformed. The car bodywork was crumpled and the vehicle was set at an angle across the normally busy road. Though at the late hour traffic was moderate and no cars had been in his immediate vicinity, none were close enough to see anything. It took only moments for other vehicles to start arriving. Already other traffic was coming to a halt Thinking he had been in a crash, one driver stopped to offer Renard a tow, since his Citron was now apparently dead and devoid of electrical power. The battery was recharged sufficiently to restart his engine. Thanks for the jump. He continued on his way home, driving the final 15 miles cautiously. Then he noticed the bigger mystery. The encounter had happened at around 1.30 a.m. He was dumped back onto the road no later than 1.35. Other traffic arrived almost immediately, and even with the tow, he should have been home by 3 a.m. In fact, it was now 6 a.m. He had somehow jumped three hours forward in time during what appeared to be the brief moments during which he was floating above the road in the grip of this orange glow. Bum, bum, bum. (laughs) Yeah, interesting aspect of this, and again, we did at Time Storms, I think in the expansion, uh, a lot of accounts from Jenny Randall's. But these stories tend to circulate around weird mists, strange smells, glowing weird clouds. Oh, yeah. And it doesn't completely relate to the previous stories that I think seem interdimensional because it doesn't involve seeing anyone in particular, but that missing time element, mm-hmm. you know. And again, on the roadway, I think it, it works well with this episode. But yeah, who knows? There's so much weird stuff out there. There is, dude. I don't know. I feel like it goes in so many directions when you start to look into this stuff. Yeah, the world is way bigger than we imagine. I feel like the reality of things. Yeah. Oh, Keel had a good quote. I was thinking about this and I was looking in Keel's book to see if I could find any specific roadway encounters in his book, Strange Creatures from Time and Space. And I just, I like the opening paragraph he has here in chapter one. 
called A World Filled with Ambling Nightmares, which I thought was such a good way to put oh, it. Oh, yeah. And the first paragraph, he says, no matter where you live on this planet, someone within 200 miles of your home has had a direct confrontation with a frightening apparition or inexplicable, quote, monster within the last generation. Perhaps it was even your cousin or your next door neighbor. There's a chance, a very good one, that sometime in the next few years, you will actually come face to face with a giant hair-covered humanoid or a little man with bulging eyes surrounded by a ghostly greenish glow. An almost infinite variety of known and unknown creatures thrive on this mud ball and appear regularly year after year, century after century. Uncounted millions of people have been terrified by their unexpected appearances in isolated forests, deserted highways. Again, deserted highways, there we go. And even in the quiet back streets of heavily populated cities. Whole countries have been seized by monster mania with every available man joining armed posses to beat the bushes in search of the unbelievable somethings that have killed herds of cows and slaughtered dogs and horses. I mean, it's true in ambling a lot of ways. Nightmares. The ambling nightmares, all the things on the edges of our reality that you hear from time to time and eventually just get washed away with the next day's news, but that are occurring pretty regularly. Yeah, surprisingly. Yeah. And a terrifying number. So when you're on that road, you keep those high beams on. That's right. That's what I say. <laughs> so cheesy. Why is that cheesy? Do you want us to thank some uh, new patrons, new members, new expansionaries? Sure, yeah, let's do it. Let's do that. So again, guys, if you want to sign up and get some more great episodes, bonus content, jump into the expansion. And you get a bonus episode every time we release a main one. Absolutely. Is freaking awesome. It is pretty great. I enjoy it. I get it for free. <laughs> now we're going to thank our new expansion members. Yeah, the music, John? Da-da-da. <laughs> there it is. Thank you to Annika Boucher. Yes. Welcome, Annika. Mandy. Hey, Mandy. There's a song about you. Cody Barnes. Learn to code, Barnes. Cody Barnes. Learn to code. Cody. Not really. Alice H. Hey. Hey, Alice. This is your wonderland. Yeah, this is your wonderland. You are our wonderland. Your body is a wonderland. <laughs> Okie <Okey-dokey. laughs> Too far. Sorry. Nate Furman. Nate Furman. I think that was the bloody glove. OJ. Furman was the what? Yeah, <laughs> Furman, what the maker of the glove? No, there was something to do with like Officer Furman or Nate. Uh, something wow, with OJ case. Fill us in. I'm sure you know yes, if that's true. Maybe it was him. He maybe was Nate Furman's a secret humanoid. Furman, Furman. That's great, Chris. Thanks. Moving along. Uh, River McDonald. River. Yes, you have a stream as your first name. That is accurate. Janine Parfit. Who is our mother? Hi, Mom. Why would you say that? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you know how to keep that. Jennifer Edwards. Hey, Jen Jen. Patrick Brooks. Oh, boy. A world of trouble. What up, Zach? <laughs> Kisses. That's an unfortunate accident of a nickname. Sheila Loya. Hey, Sheila. Hey, Hi, Sheila. We're going to be Loya to you. Been around for a good long time. Nathan H. All right. Welcome in, buddy. High fives to Nathan H. Kendall Hooper. Hey, Ken Kendall. And then another Kendall. Or did she sign up on accident? It could be the same. That's the same person. Okay. <laughs> Patrick Phillips. What's up, Patrick? Hey. Patrick Phillips. Hi. It's Mark Furman. He was the... <laughs> she looked that up? He was okay. the officer that planted the bloody glove. Oh, okay. It was a big, Allegedly. It was a big hubbub. Big hubbub. Great word. Thank you to Servando Sanchez Jr. Hey, buddy. Hey, thank you, Servando. I like that name. Thank you to Cassidy. All right. Cassidy. Thank you to Peter Beer. Peter Beer. Slurp it up. Delicious and bubbly. 
Welcome to the whole even gale. Gal? I can't read Evan. Even? <laughs> <laughs> nice word. Sorry. I should be in charge of the reading. Evan Gall, welcome in, Evan Gall, how you doing, man? Greg Lee Johnson. Greg Lee. <laughs> Greg Lee. It's not, I know it's not his name. It's Greg Johnson, but Greg Lee. That's a great name. Greg. Welcome, Greg. Welcome, Greg. Thanks. Good to have you, man. T.C. Layton. T.C. Time code Layton. Time code latency. Welcome <laughs> in. <laughs> Time code latency. We love you. Josh Merchant. Josh Merchant. How you He's doing, brother? He's a merchant. He's using his merchant abilities to purchase the patronage. Yes, John. Darcy Hanna. Darcy. Hey, Darcy. Hi. It's getting hard to think of clever things. Darren Thompson. Welcome and hi. <laughs> <laughs> welcome, welcome in, buddy. Yes, we're happy Sorry, for all name, of you that are here. Your name didn't lend anything to super creativeness. Everyone just needs funny names yeah. for us to get through these in a fun way. But Darren Thompson, it's great to have you, man. Absolutely. I didn't mean to belittle your name. It's it's a great no, yeah, solid name. It's Darren. just not easy to make puns with, right? Which has probably served you well growing up. Murderbone. All right. <laughs> Welcome to the Murder Murderbone. You're asking you shall receive. Explanatory. That gets a sound effect. Welcome in, buddy. What sound effect is that going to be? Maybe a, a stab and a thwack. Welcome to Alex Quintanilla. Is that how I say that right? Quintanilla? Alex Quintanilla. Welcome. Quintanilla. Glad to have you. Yeah. All right, Catherine the Great. Welcome into the hall. Catherine hole. the Great. Not to be subsumed by Eric B. <laughs> I don't know what that means exactly. Eric B. Cool. Followed by our good friend Justin Aronoff. Hey there. What's up, Justin? Thanks for being here. Absolutely. Just in time. Welcome to Ray Browdy. Ray Browdy. Don't get rowdy, Ray Browdy. Ray Browdy, you keep it you keep it simple in here. Keep the hands in the cart, Ray. Keep it cool. Rowdy Browdy. Eric Bober. Eric Bober. Eric Bober. Eric Bober. <laughs> you get a car and you get a car. Oh god, we don't need that. No. <laughs> so played out, Old John. Cat. It's funny though. Hey, Rebecca. Hi. Welcome. Come, welcome Thank you Rebecca. for being here, Rebecca. We appreciate your patronage. We love you, Bex. Ashley Varley. Welcome Varley. to the hole. Ashley Varley. What's up, girl? Camila Borales. Yeah. Camila Borales. Welcome yes. in. Welcome. S- sorry if these pronunciations aren't quite right. Andreas Grumadas. That is an awesome Grumatus. name. Grumadas. That's Grumatus. a sweet name. Yeah. It's almost like a, a Roman gladiator. Andreas Grumadas. Fight. <laughs> Devin Butler. Devin Butler. Come on down to the hole. Get slimy with us, man. You don't have to serve me any snacks. I can get my own. What? He's a butler. Butler. Oh, that's clever. This long list. <laughs> Martin Dennis. We're catching up, guys. It's been a couple episodes. We're sorry. Welcome, Martin Dennis. Good to have you, my Welcome brother. Here. Ishmael Iribe. Iribe? 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 Ishmael Iribe. Hey there. Welcome. Welcome. Thanks, Ishmael. Yes. Great to have you, brother. Jacob Gonzalez. Always Jacob Gonzalez. a friendly face. Welcome to the hole, sir. Johnny Jackman. Yes, what a name. <laughs> you are a Marvel character. Like you Jack- are a legend among men, Johnny. Johnny Jackman. That's a cool name. Very strong. Hayden Rush. Hayden Rush. Even almost better. You don't need to slow it down, man. You got places to go. You are doing big things. Phil V. Philly. I think it's an I at the end. Philly V. Or Philly Roman numeral five. The fifth of the Phillies. You sound fresh. Welcome in. John Manzel. What up, John Manzel? We like Johns around here. We do. Keep your Hansels yourself. <laughs> Hansel Manzel. Great name. Yes, George Lee. Welcome to the hole. George Lee in the house. Well, the expansion accepts you. Welcome to Erica. All right, Erica. Erica. Good classic, beautiful name. Mm-hmm. Oh, Morganonymous. Oh, I like Morganonymous. Welcome, Morganonymous, to the hole. We'll keep your secrets safe. <laughs> we probably should have split these into two episodes. <laughs> it's quite long. Uh, Carol Ann McCracken. Yeah. Fight that sea beast. McCracken. Get your McCrackens here. 
<laughs> I was thinking like the, the sea monster got cracking. Oh, yeah. Nice. Welcome, Carol. Welcome, Carol. Mitch Berhoski. Welcome. Welcome to the expansion, Mitch. Good to have you. Oh, wait. I got one more. Jeffrey Epstein, Epstein. Monsanto. That's Brian. <laughs> that's his uh, username. Oh, that's hilarious. Love you, buddy. I Classic. hope you're doing good finding a house. Yes. Get that house. Get it. All right, guys. Uh, if you didn't hear your name, next time you will be spouted from our mouths. Yes. And thank you all so much. You guys really, you're keeping us going. We say it every time, but it's so true. Yeah. We, we couldn't do it without you. Yeah. Literally, you keep the show going. It's a lot of work. And without that incentive of people that are actually here for us yep. and want the extra content, it does keep us and going. For all you other going. people that just listen and, and don't, you've <laughs> been here from the beginning, go, you know, you know what you can do. Keep mm. listening. <laughs> we love you. It was almost scared me, John. No, thanks to everybody who's listening. Whether you can join the whole or not, I was just kidding. Yeah, we we appreciate all you guys and uh, your comments, your reviews, whatever you can do to help is super super appreciated. If you can't sign up and you really like the show, try to share it with people. Yeah, and a lot of you do, and that means so much. Yeah. It seriously, is invaluable. Just spreading the whole. Yeah, spreading the word. We are growing as fast as we can, and we're going to keep doing it. Yeah, that's right. So if you guys are interested, check out the books, Time Storms, Jenny Randall, Strange Creatures from Time and Space, John Keel. Links on the episode page. Yes, Trekker Ghost Stories, Annie Wilder, and last but not least, Real Police Ghost Stories by Zachary Knowles. All excellent resources for good stories. And if you want some weird humanoid stories, join us in the Humanoid stories? <laughs> did I say it like that? Yes, yeah. you did. You want some weird humanoid stories? You want join some weird humanoid stories? Join Come on, get over to the hole. <laughs> get yeah. in deep in the hole. Get over to the hole. If you don't want the party to stop, now is the time. Sign up or, or don't. <laughs> Your right, guys, choice. We love you. Keep your brights on. Keep your keep windows up. Keep those high up. beams on. Keep those doors Don't locked. Don't pull over for hitchhikers. Watch out for the red-eyed man that screams and makes you go deaf. No one wants that. <laughs> no one wants that. All right, guys, we'll see you next time on, on The Believe Hole. Hole.